0: Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host Jason Knight and this episode is part of a special triple bill where I talk to some inspiring women in product about their journeys, challenges, hopes and aspirations. Now I'm sure there'll be some people who complain, hey what about men in product, where's the organisation for them? And of course the answer is, there is one. It's called product. Women are criminally underrepresented in tech and product, underpaid, undervalued and career restricted pretty much across the board. Now I appreciate that it's a bit rum of me, a middle aged white straight cis man, bringing this message, and I agree. I have never been discriminated against in my life. But if I can be an ally and use my voice to help amplify those of others, I'm all in. I'm not expecting to change the world, but all of us should be doing our very best to effect change one conversation at a time. I shall do my very best to avoid inadvertent mansplanations or correctile dysfunction. In this episode, Ruler of the Skies, I speak with a diversity champion and woman in product chapter lead about her journey into product management, how she's trying to build more inclusive products for everyone in the world, and why being a mentor has taught her as much as it's taught her mentee. So fasten the seatbelts, please, for one night in product. So my guest tonight is Niddy Wadmark. Senior Product Manager at PayPal, Women in Product Chapter Lead, Global Awareness Leader for Thrive, PayPal's Neurodiversity and Disabilities Employee Resource Group. Also hates people who name drop, so I'll do my best to keep all my celebrity friends under wraps. Hi Niddy, how are you doing tonight?
1: Oh, very well, and thank you. That's that's quite a introduction. I should have you introduce (laughs) me at every meeting too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if 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 you need like an MC or something to introduce you in meetings and any other gatherings uh, when we're allowed to gather again, then I'm absolutely fine with that. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's get into it. So what I would normally do in a situation like this is start asking you about the company that you work for Mm -hmm. uh, and what they do and the problem that they solve. And I'm obviously very interested in that. But the company you work for, of course, is PayPal. So we all know what paypal does but but what do you do at paypal so you're a senior product manager i believe in customer service customer success and messaging um so so what do you work on day to day
1: again thanks so much first you know for having me on this podcast and and the opportunity to share some of what i do at paypal and other things that we'll go into but really what i do at paypal is every time any of paypal's users so we have over 300 over 300 million users over 26 million merchants need to contact PayPal and be it in any any format, be it via phone, messaging, chat, email, what have you really, my group and my product and my uh, team is really focused on how do we enable our users to help themselves? How do we provide them help when they need it? And really the entire end-to-end experience and very specifically getting myopic to what my team is focused on right now is around the merchant experience across all our servicing platforms as well as you know when someone engages with us in a digital format so like your chatbot or an email how do we enable the users to help themselves with the least effort in a way um, that also like crafting experiences that blend the best of both human touch and machine intelligence, because a lot of users do want to find the answers themselves first, but depending on why they're contacting PayPal, also the ability to identify how do we best help them. Because when someone is contacting PayPal, it's usually because there's money associated with it. And we all know when something's tied to your money, emotions are very different than versus when you're shopping for something. So really being cognizant of how do we help our users and our merchants be successful. And when they reach out to us, how do we treat every customer like they're the only one? And that's really kind of what we do on a day-to-day basis is keeping that myopic focus on customer centricity and making sure that every decision that we make is driven, starts by customer understanding, mm-hmm. as well as including the operational decisions. So very customer centric. That's, that's the path where uh, we're trying to get to. And as you know, we humans are very complex um, creatures. Um, and the way we do things changes drastically. So it's also really staying on top of what works, what doesn't work. We PayPal is in, I mean, the products that my team builds and services is in over 200 countries, over 26 languages and continuing to grow. So how do we keep this global focus, but also prioritize uh, locally?
0: Yeah, so that sounds like a really wide-ranging role and working on a lot of different touch points. Uh, how big's the team then that that you're that you're in?
1: Well, our entire org uh, that is very focused on self-service strategy is, is um, you know, on the product side, we're about, I think, the entire org, including engineering and various groups is, I would say, about 30 to 40 people. But my immediate team that is working on these products is not very large. Um, so, you know, we work on the mobile aspect as well as everything that happens on the web and web, and my immediate team is about... I think we're about, I have about 10 to 12 engineers right now, but I do collaborate with a lot of other products, uh, product teams across PayPal because nothing that we do happens in silo. As you know, any organization, uh, there are lots of uh, pipes and nuts and bolts that, that have to come together in order to really give that seamless experience for the user. But my immediate team, um, I, I'd say we're under 15 overall.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess one of the things which is is different from from my world where I'm you know, working for a, a small smallest startup, and um, really there's just one product team that, that works on the, the products for, for our entire company. Whereas obviously you're doing a lot of, as you said, cross product collaboration, and I guess trying to align around releases and 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 lots of dependencies to go back and forth. Is that something that that is quite seamless, or or do you have to have lots of like horse trading discussions?
1: nothing is seamless right and I think for for companies like PayPal where you are um, where you service so many users and our teams are not just in San Jose right so I do work with teams like my immediate product and engineering team might be we're a total of 15 but everything we do so for IVR like your phone would be another team If I want to gather analytics, that might be another team. So it is multiple teams spread across globally. Um, And I think this is where, right, I mean, in in any large companies, this is really where product really comes into play because it's less about just solving the problem. There's so much that goes into first understanding the problem, right? And I think product managers don't really spend, at least great product managers, you don't just spend your time on solutions. But it's really understanding that forest view and then also trying to figure out which tree or which what is it that which tree works best in that larger forest. So it is a lot of collaboration across teams, across different time zones, different cultures, different, you know, different platforms that is part and parcel of our day to day work that i think almost every product person at uh, paypal that's that's the environment we have to work in because we just serve as people users globally and we have teams that are, are spread across globally as well
0: absolutely now speaking of of some of the things and initiatives that that, that paypal are, are sponsoring and 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 you know around more kind of well-being and 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 mental health and 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 in uh, specifically diversity Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that you are uh, the global awareness lead for Thrive mm-hmm. which I did a bit of research on I understand that that's an employee group mm-hmm. which is mainly focused on neurodiversity and uh, disabilities. Yeah. So what I mean you yeah, know it sounds like a really important job and a really important initiative but 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 what do you actually get involved in sort of day to day or or week by week in that in that initiative?
1: Yeah. So um you know at PayPal we we do have like employee resource groups that are focused on on uh, different issues right and um I am part of a global committee for Thrive um and it, it is focused on it's an employee group that's looking at neurodiversity and um you know both in terms of raising awareness and how does PayPal also become a truly inclusive place of a uh, place for everyone. So this is This is, again, I think for those of us that do, uh, that get involved in ERGs or lead this, it's in addition to maybe what our day-to-day jobs are. The group that I'm in, I think every level of management, the entire management team is very supportive of these things that I do outside of my day-to-day job. And I think that makes it also much easier because it's, so really, you know, the four pillars of, of PayPal are innovation collaboration, inclusion, which is around respect and value, uniqueness and wellness. And Thrive fits, it aligns so well with with these pillars that PayPal has in mind. But it's also as a company and as a group, we're focused on building awareness, collaboration, engagement with the end focus of PayPal truly being an employer of choice that is inclusive of all and where everyone feels they belong, right? So- my role with Thrive is is part of the work that's underway in the work that our different ERGs do, but also aligns with this pillar of PayPal, which is focused on inclusion. So on a day-to-day, I, I won't really say, well, there's a day-to-day task, but um, the role that I'm playing right now, really, I mean, neurodiversity is really a unique approach to thought. And even within our organization, it's, you know, we have strategic pillars that uh, we're starting to focus on and what we're going to continue to work on. And my role is really, I mean, we can, br- can bring about change, but change only happens with awareness. So uh, the step one is to build that awareness, both internally and externally. We, we do partner with other companies, both to share best practices, as well as learn from other organizations. And I think it's really based on this premise that neurodiversity is really a unique approach to thought. And we, when I say we, it's like you and I and others, we're lucky that we get to work with regular people with hidden extras and really changing that lens of, you know, it's not a disadvantage, but rather an advantage. And I think organizations, you know, in the US, and I think even globally, they recognize, I mean, they've recognized that diversity is crucial to business success. However the focus for many years and has continued to be largely centered around gender age uh, race and etc right and I think the uh, the idea of neurodiversity which is really welcoming people who think differently has taken off recently and I think part of it is awareness I wasn't I wasn't for me it's, it's a way of learning um I wasn't so aware of what neurodiversity means perhaps a year ago and it was all again a series of events that led to my interest in the in the space and also I think it like like I said earlier right I think I I'm very fortunate that at this point in my career I find myself at a company like PayPal because we are very um, it's not just talk, it's not lip service, but really there are, you know, you're in the midst of people and an organization that is supportive of what do we need to do? What? How can we do this to truly become a place that is inclusive of all? And and I think in terms of neurodiversity, right, I mean, from a business perspective, why why would it be a business imperative too? If you look at about, according to the, you know, the WHO, I forget which year, in their latest report, it's the data is at 15% of the world's population or 1 billion people have some form of disability now irrespective of whether someone thinks whether this is the right thing to do or not i think for any business if you if you look at it from a business perspective it would be foolish not to be inclusive of everyone in the world paypal all our products are used by people globally so if we not just hire people and build a work environment that is inclusive of all, but that also brings in new perspectives and new ways of how we build our products, because now when you have different perspectives and different voices at the table, um, I think you you know that's the whole beauty of product management, right? It has to start with the customer. And our customers are every person in the world globally. And that includes this 1 billion population. So if you're not intentional about inclusion, I think you you unintentionally exclude. Um, And I think neurodiversity, these ERGs enable us to raise awareness internally as well as externally. And I think it, it then also translates into the way we hire, retain, build a work environment. And that translates into the way we build our products and services which then translates into the customers we can service. So if you look at it, I mean, I look at it, it's a win-win for all. It's a win for an organization. It's a win for an individual. It's a win holistically. We we all want to live in a world that is inclusive of all. And it's not just because it's the right thing to do. It is, of course, but from a business perspective too, it's also how you grow, how you innovate. So I think there are all these other things that... uh, come into
0: play as well yeah I think it's there's some really interesting points there I mean obviously 100% from a business perspective I feel that um I think I've said it uh, to friends and, and and colleagues before like if I just had loads of people that look and sound just like me a that would be terrifying but b it would just there's no point having lots of people just the same as you making decisions in the same room because ultimately everything if everything's coming from the same angle then it's it's you're basically probably going to get the same result if you ask all of those people
1: I Agree.
0: aside from things like group things just the, the general kind of philosophy that these people have is going to be the same so i think that having as many diverse opinions in the room is, is or should be table stakes these days I agree. um and i also think it's uh about common decency as well like <laughs> um ultimately you know, I mean, I, I spoke to uh, an autistic product manager uh, a few episodes ago. I was talking about some of the challenges that he has in the workplace, and you know, people that just don't get him. And of course, they don't. I don't. I don't necessarily blame them for not getting him because if they don't know, then they're not going to know. But right. as long as they've got the kind of the mindset that they can actually learn about that and 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 try to improve, then then that should, as as you say, be a really valuable thing. Because I just don't think it's right that people. Um, who have kind of different conditions that they didn't ask for should be treated differently based on you know, ignorance. It just, it just it boggles my mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, um, like I said, right, I think we are the lucky ones who should say, great, I get to work with this person who actually brings a lot of, we yeah. have these hidden extras. And I think it's really about uh, changing that lens. Um, I think disability in general, you know, there's a stigma associated with, that. I mean, I grew up in India very different what it was when I was a little girl and, you know, how things are changing. Doesn't mean that it's it's become a lot better, but we're getting there. And I, you know, change happens with awareness. I myself was quite oblivious to the word neurodiversity up until about a year ago. And I think my journey into, well, I want to learn more about this. Of course, there, there are a whole lot of personal reasons, but also, wait, this is, I'm the one who's ignorant, started with that and you know, like you said, we learn by talking, meeting others who are not like you. You know, my husband is from Sweden, I'm from India, two extreme parts of the world. And in every home that we've owned, we have like a the world map in our kitchen. And part of it was also it, it was a lesson, I think, also for our children to say, it's such a big world. Your your where you live is just a tiny window. And I think when you start become intentional about the way you look at things, why it's important, I think it becomes a way of life. And from a work perspective, I'm a product manager, right? I mean, not just at PayPal, but this is what I've done every, throughout my career, and it goes back to well. PayPal can service every single human on this earth. Our our mission is to democratize financial service so that no one is left out from doing what they want to and everyone can be successful. I think the need for us to move out of our little comfort zone and grow and learn from others who are not like us is, I think, how we will continue to truly be global and build products and services that anyone, anywhere should be able to use.
0: Uh, 100%. Another thing that you are also involved in is uh, women in product. So I I follow them on Twitter. I, I think it's a, another you know, for my, much for many of the same reasons that we were talking about. That it's a fantastic mission. Separately, I mean, obviously there's a a big problem with opportunity and pay and and everything like that in 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 workplace in workplaces for, in general for for women as well as obviously specifically in tech. So what what is it that you yourself do? With women in product,
1: well, I am a woman in product,
0: yes. <laughs> and
1: I think you know uh, it, it's a space just like in tech, increasingly you see less and less uh, women in product right and pod, and just like we see, we don't see as many women in tech and and there are a whole lot of reasons why why that is happening, but more than that, I think the women in product, my introduction to this organization happened about three years ago, so. You know, I'd I'd go to a lot of conferences and I'd attend other events. And most often than not, it was more men than women, Um, except for I think there's there's another conference called Women in Tech. And it was very heavily, you, you know, the audience was there and the talent is everywhere. But I think the opportunity is not right. And I think women in general. Um, I'm also involved in some other work, you know, at PayPal. And you know, the larger picture is that women are over-mentored and under-sponsored. And when we built product, I mean, women in product for me, it, it started off like I attended the first conference and I was just blown away as to the energy in the room. I was like, gosh, this just it, it, it's difficult to describe it in words, right? And the organization is really focused. The mission is that how do we bring more women into the workforce? How do we grow more leaders in this space? And also so that we learn and grow and we amplify each other. And it goes back to when I, if I have to look at nitty gritty, like how does this apply tactically to my work? Again, it goes back to the way we build products and services should be inclusive of all. I don't know about you, but I do manage a lot of finances in our home. So if the team that's building that is completely unaware of how a woman would do things or how a girl may look at something or how a different person may look at it, you know, you miss out on a large segment. So, and I think women should be involved in everything where a decision is being made, because I think we're also users. So it was the mission of the organization and, you know, it's just grown instrumentally since since my, my first attendance at the conference. But I also live in the part of the Bay Area where in traffic, it's not fun to commute I used to, I attended one or two events and I had to have the luxury of time to do that. And we didn't have a local chapter. And I was like, well, we'll just we'll just start a local chapter. <laughs> and I wasn't quite sure what the, what the turnout or reception would be. But I now have two co-chapter leads. And we were amazed because when we hosted our first event, which was in partnership with a tech company in the Bay Area, we were sold out in, in a matter of two weeks. We were afraid, I don't know if we'll get even attendees or not. And we, we, you know, every seat was booked. Uh, the panelists were again four amazing women who built products in four different industries. The NPS score was close to being perfect, and it was. We also realized there is a need for it—a need to have the space to share, to grow, to learn, and to support and elevate each other. And I think that's really, you know, women in product as an organization—it's to increase diversity and inclusion in product management
0: yeah it's interesting that when you're saying about building products for people and obviously including women because women will be using the products, and it reminds me of a book called Invisible Women mm. where uh, the author was talking about how so many things just assume a default male, yeah, and like to the point where I think the one of the examples was there are ways that, for example, a heart attack will basically manifest differently. In, in in you know due to female physiology versus male mm-hmm. uh but the kind of the checklists are all basically based on the male symptoms and there's like um you know like phones like yep. mobile phones you know like they're they're all basically designed for the a man size hand and it's just ridiculous and then obviously you get the other crazy examples like the uh the google image detection ai which was detecting uh not, not women in this case, but like detecting uh, black faces as as being monkeys instead of, of people because it presumably just had had such terrible, terribly biased training data that it just didn't even get close. And you like to think that if you had one woman in the room, like testing out the prototype of a phone, just one would have helped, right? Or yeah. one yeah. black person in the room when they were, they were training those algorithms, it's just like it just seems like a really crazy thing that this is still something we have to talk about. And I know we do have to talk about it, but it doesn't yeah. seem that we sh- that, that should still be a thing that is in any way controversial.
1: Yeah, no, I you know, I agree. I mean, and I think be it women in product or the work that we're doing under Thrive or so on, right? And kind of like you said, your users are very different. I worked in e-commerce and I worked in healthcare very recently, right? And once you work with physicians also very closely, I mean, it's everything else in, in terms of impact pales, right? But it's whether you're building something in healthcare or e-commerce or even at PayPal. If you don't have that different perspective at the table, you do, you do, you know, we all have biases, right? I mean, every single one of us has biases. I do too, in spite of, you know, I have this world map and yes, I, I live in a home where it's this confluence of East and West every single day. And in spite of that, these unconscious bias, they show up and we work on it. And I think the best way to work and continue to improve on it is when you consciously also become intentional about it, right? And the work that we do either through women in product, why there is a need and the conversations need to happen, I think are increasingly more and more. You know, if you look at the data from the latest McKinsey and Lean In Report, or I think Christine Lagarde uh, recently in an interview talked about the impact of the pandemic, the ones that are impacted most are women, those with disabilities, right? So how do you, how can you ever be, how are we marching towards an inclusive world, uh, which is, you know, there is that, yes, this is the right thing to do, but from a business impact too, it's imperative even more that you cater and bring these voices at the table, irrespective of what you're building, right? And I think Carla Harris, I don't know if, um, you know, in a a talk a couple of years ago, and she she has this great book, which is called Expect to Win. She makes this case, I I think she so beautifully makes this case for diversity. I mean, we can give it whatever title, but every organization essentially is competing in one way or, or the other around innovation. Now, it doesn't matter which industry you're in, right? So there's no industry where innovation doesn't make you different than someone else. Why would someone use PayPal versus something else, right? It is how do we innovate? and But how, how do you innovate, right? And I think a lot of different ideas in a room is how you innovate. So ideas, innovation comes from ideas. Ideas come from perspectives. And, you know, she says perspectives are born from experiences and experiences are born from people, so if you don't have different people in the room at the table, diverse voices, how, how do you, you know, so you can look at whether from a business perspective or the right thing to do. I mean, the solution is the same. There's a reason why you need to, to do this. And I think the fact, I mean, as a woman in product, as a mother to a son and a daughter, I, I hope that we all continue to work towards a world a world that is inclusive of all, because I the benefit it benefits all of us in every single way, in the products we will use, in the services we will use, in the opportunities that will that come about and the conversations I think we will have and the way we will continue to treat each other.
0: Uh, absolutely. 100%, 100% agree with that. Well, what is one of your more recent successes with either Thrive or with Women in Product, like something that you're happy that happened relatively recently?
1: Um well, I think uh, I'll, I'll give an example of both. I think with Thrive, you know, the fact that we're, we're having these conversations at PayPal, I think is a success in itself, right? Is a good start to that road to success. The fact that I'm in an organization that is very intentional about us becoming a place where we are an employer of choice where everyone feels they belong. It's not just about diversity and inclusion. So it's not just a number game, but truly building a place where everyone, building a work environment and a culture where everyone can come in, they belong, allows us, I think, positions PayPal to attract the best of the best, retain the best of the best. And that translates into the way we build our product and services also having that competitive advantage right so i think that is to me just being part of having this opportunity to do this as part of my day to day work is a personal win because you know that ripple effect i can see it unfold in many different ways the fact that you and i are even talking about what is neurodiversity i think is great and i hope any even if one person listens to it and just goes and googles oh what is neurodiversity and to me that is that is that is a measurement of success in terms of You know, in in terms of women in product, you and I, again, are having this conversation because of the way the dots connected, all thanks to women in product. COVID happened, a lot of people were impacted, their jobs were impacted, and there were two amazing, you know, two amazing product leaders who started this platform called Help Your Peers. I had the opportunity to to be a mentor on that platform, and that allowed me to connect with um, Anna. I mean, in terms of title, yes, we have that mentor-mentee relationship. But I always say, I think I've learned a lot more in the process. And that connection helped to, I think she started a series in product as she explores how to pivot into that workspace. And that led to um, you reading that blog and us having this conversation today. So I think that is also a recent, uh, I would say something good that's come out of it, right? And I think it all started with my journey as Women in product, and I do use my time whenever I can to to meet with people like I said right i think i'm i I'm, I find more satisfaction in helping people one on one or in a smaller group and I think at uh, Covid has highlighted the fact that I am very fortunate to have a job to have a roof over my head, but there are a lot of people that are hurting around the world right in what can i for me, it's become. Uh, that's how I want to live every day. What can I? Where can I invest my skills and experience to do to build products and services, or do something which has an impact and can help others? I, I, there's a there's a reason why I'm at PayPal. Uh, why I'm working on what I'm working because that mission really resonates with my personal KPIs. And I think even meeting with Anna and and you know the. How you and I are having this conversation today, I think it all started with that women in product uh, journey and that opportunity to help others. And in that process, I learn a lot about myself. But to educate, empower, and truly create a global community where women product leaders can build impactful products at scale.
0: Yeah, that's obviously uh, a really great story, and and obviously yes, aware of Anna, and, and I'm glad to say that Anna will be uh, or has already recorded uh, an interview for this podcast as well. So we'll be hearing from her uh in the near future and, and yeah she obviously speaks really highly of, of some of the work that you've done with her and i think that one of the things and maybe one of the reasons that i even started this podcast in the first place was uh, that whole idea about trying to have conversations with people getting their stories out and and having some way to try to pay forward you know which is i think something that based on some of the things that we've been talking about that seems to be something that you're really really keen on like pay, paying it forward mentoring I think you have also said before this uh, call around sort of the amount of joy you get from kind of making connections with people and connecting people to other people and and kind of just enabling people to grow, uh, which is obviously fantastic. You said also before this call that you have a bucket list of things from when you were young (laughs) and that you've done most of the things on that bucket list. Now, first of all, one of those things was ruling the skies, which (laughs) I'm not 100% sure what that means. So in which way have you ruled the skies?
1: <laughs> yes, you sh- you have to talk to a flight attendant, and we all think we rule, we rule the sky, so really <laughs> you know I, I, my early years um as a young girl we're, we're tucked away in a, in a boarding school, and I'm so grateful to have spent those ten years with three hundred amazing girls all all amazing women doing doing great work around the world but you know there was this uh, one friend, and her mom at the time was a flight attendant. And every time, I forget the airline she worked for, but every time she'd come visit, you know, during exit weekends at school, we were all so in awe of her. It was just the way she carried herself, the confidence, and it was just that overall um, aura. And I think there were many of us who were like, oh, that's what I want to do when I grow up. And I think on one of my things on my checklist was, oh, I do want to be a flight attendant. (laughs) And I, my first job in the U.S. was as a flight attendant with American Airlines. I was told I was their first Indian flight attendant. I have to validate the veracity of that statement. But, you know, I had a full-time job. I was working at a startup during the week and I was able to work as a flight attendant over the weekend. And it was wonderful because, again, I, I was new to the country. And you just meet so many different people. I always say every product person or everyone at some point or, or, or not in your life should work in the service industry because it's just so different. You learn things differently. You interact with people in a very different way. And I, I remember you know, when I did the weekend flights and you make the announcement in, in first class and then you walked down the aisle and there were a lot of people who'd be like, wait, like you speak English? Um, and for me, it was also realization that the country is so wide and for a lot of people, perhaps going from one state to another, may may be like the vacation of the year, right? So for a lot of people, maybe India was a word or they'd heard about the lions and the elephants because a lot of stories, articles around that, but probably never met one in person. And this was several years ago. So it was, it was quite a... It was a wonderful learning experience. But yeah, I think that was a check mark. Oh, I did that as well. But it all started with with a wonderful uh, friend's mom, I think, who had a lot of us wanting to like, oh, I wouldn't do that. That sounds so cool. But I think it was her persona. She just came across. She was always so elegant and so confident and yeah, I think she left quite an impression on a lot of us. So I'm really glad I got to do that when I came to the US. I still have friends who are flying, some who've moved on to other careers, but uh, it was my introduction to the United States of America.
0: Uh, sounds it sounds like a a, a good uh, a good start and uh, set you off on the right path. But what on the list have you uh, still yet to tick off? Like the main thing, maybe that's still on your list that you that you still have as an ambition.
1: You know the one thing I think um well, I always wanted to work at a bank that stored the the world's gold and and again soon after my you know after the startup work, I'd moved to work at the Federal Reserve Bank. I didn't work at the New York one where the gold reserves are, but still to me that's that that's another checklist, and it was close enough. Uh, Yes, close enough. I am like, okay, it's the Federal Reserve Bank. Like, you can't go wrong with that, right? (laughs) And I worked at the time when Janet Yellen was the was the president of the Fed, so just so many amazing things with that as well. I think there was one thing. Most of the other things I've I've done, but I do remember I was always like, oh, I want to be this. uh, I want to like own my own company. I haven't quite I haven't quite gotten to that. I don't know if I still want to do it, but you know, I think what what it means to give back leadership i found other avenues to to do that so we'll see if i still someday start something of my own but i think that's probably the only one that's not been checked it was like well i think i want to i want to have my own corner office
0: <laughs>
1: you never know
0: <laughs> there's, there's there's still time and uh, what advice would you give to a young woman in product or wannabe woman in product starting out in her career today
1: I'd say you know start with it helps to know what you want to do. I I have never planned my life 5 years ahead. Um I've worked in a lot of different industries. I've done things where someone sometimes asked me, "Hey, you want to, you know, like the the TV talk show host. Oh, why don't you come and host?" I was I was like, "Sure." So <laughs> take chances. Take risks. Don't don't doubt yourself. Uh we all are capable of so much more than we think we are. Uh, Reach out to people. I am a big believer of don't surround yourself with naysayers. Find those that will support you, elevate you, reach out, learn, be curious. And if there are too many people saying no, then maybe you're, you're just not in the midst of the right people. So be very conscious of that. I think for a lot of you know, because I, ever since I put PayPal on my LinkedIn profile, I do have a lot of students or aspiring product managers who reach out. And it's understandable. What I love is some are so confident, but there's also this thing of, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe I should only apply for a junior role. And my first thing is, forget the word junior. First, figure out what you want to do. I mean, don't just say, oh, I want to do this because it's the coolest space to get into. It, It is, it's a lot of fun, but you know, I think kind of, um, find out if this really, does this align with how you want to spend your day in and day out, connect with others who are in the field. And really, I think the self-doubt, find those that will tell you everything that you're capable of, focus on your strengths. It's good to know your weaknesses, but it doesn't mean you have to refine every weakness, see, see what works and, you know, really, um, yeah we're all capable of a lot more than we than we think we are i think really keeping that keeping that in mind all the time is important because self doubt is terrible it's good but don't don't let it uh don't let it diminish your hopes
0: yeah i think there's this careful balancing act between kind of being really self aware which is obviously great yeah. but also uh, falling foul of uh, imposter syndrome and just yeah. imagining that you're just there's no, there's no way you can do it uh, I personally imagine that it's not hit me in this way because I'm not a woman. But like, if I'm a, if I'm a woman coming up into tech, that um, there's going to be a lot of people either consciously or subconsciously assuming that I'm not going to be any good and projecting that onto me. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that doesn't make it any easier. And that's where organizations like Women in Product can, can really help to, as you say, support and amplify these voices. So uh, 100% happy to see that um, going from strength to strength. Uh, where can people find you if they want to, uh, carry on chatting?
1: Um, well, LinkedIn is a great way. So, you know, just, just search. It's Nidhi Wardmark on LinkedIn. I am on Twitter at, at Nidhi Wardmark, uh, depends. I don't, I'm not always active on the platform. Again, it goes back to how much time I have, what do I want to do? But that's another way to get hold of me. But LinkedIn is a good way to just reach out and, and connect.
0: I will add your link to the bottom of the uh, show notes. And, uh, hopefully you'll get dozens and dozens of uh, excited people flooding to your door asking oh for your advice.
1: <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't put it out there. Then.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, that's been really fascinating and great to dig into some of your background and some of the stuff you've been working on. And uh, obviously, let's keep in touch. And, uh, and thanks very much for spending the time.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun.
0: As ever, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show today, I'd love it if you left a review, shared it with your friends, subscribed, or followed the show on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn.